Okay, if you want to grab yourselves a seat. Uh, in a, uh, a stark warning of what happens when you, uh, just how much people listen to you when you're up the front, Jaden obligingly just ran outside and weed in the bushes, <laughs> as he was told by Matt Fox. Um, it's great to be here. Um, it's a real privilege uh, to be able to talk to you guys this morning. I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, you know, Steph's away for a week, so he normally does the preaching, so he's just got a piece of eye candy up the front to kind of keep the girls happy. <laughs> but actually, I do have, I do believe God's really given me a message, and uh, it is for us. So let, let's, let's quickly pray. Um, Father, I thank you that you care about every single person here. I thank you that you know each one of us and that uh, you have put us uh, in this room today. And uh, I do pray that you just give me the uh, grace to bring this message that you give me. I do pray you give us uh, ears to hear this morning, so just be aware of you and, and hear from you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, today I'm talking about grace. Grace is a great message to be able to bring because it's the message of a free gift. Everyone loves something for free, don't they? Normally in life, you hear about something for free and there's a catch. Um, when I was uh, at university, I, I lived with a, a chap called, uh, a few guys, one of them was a guy called Wesley, who's from Essex, and uh, he's very bright in some ways, but he was also incredibly simple in other ways. And uh, my first day uh, from, in college, I, I came home and he, he was like, he was all excited. He was like, Dave. He's got this sort of yappy little voice. Dave, you'll never guess what's just happened to me. He said, uh, I was at a supermarket and I went round. I got everything I wanted. And I was at the checkout. And, uh, and I, 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 I was putting everything in bags. And the lady goes to me, do you want cash back? I said, what? I didn't know what it was. I thought it was one of those Tesco's points things. And the guy in the queue is laughing at me. I said, I, I've got a clue what she's talking about. She goes, do you want cash back? I was like, okay. <laughs> she goes, how much do you want? I was like, how much? I'll have 20 quid, please. So it's brilliant. I got my shopping for free. And so I had to explain, you know, <laughs> no, there's a catch. But with grace, that isn't a catch. It really is a totally free gift. And uh, if you haven't heard, you don't know what grace is, then um, listen up, because it's, it's pretty much the most exciting thing that, that you can hear about. It is, this is it. Grace is really, it's what we're about, it's what, it's what sets us apart as Christians. And um, if you've heard a lot of talks about grace, you might be thinking, oh, another talk about grace. Why? Why? Um, it's because we need to be reminded. Um, there's about a dozen occasions in the Bible where the writer just says, let me remind you of this. And it's almost always the grace of God because we just forget it. We just, our human nature is to go away from grace. And we need to just keep hearing this message and keep getting back to it. So what is grace? I've given, uh, I found a little definition that I liked. Um, there's lots of ways you can uh, define it, but this is what I settled on. Grace is God in love doing good for ill-deserving sinners like us. Grace is God in love doing good for ill-deserving sinners like us. That's helpful, um, but sometimes 
I don't know, descriptions like that, they can leave us a little bit cold, I think. They don't quite get into our brains. And what Jesus used to do a lot was tell stories, and that's how we kind of get stuff into our little, tiny little minds. So if you want to have a look, uh, if you've got a Bible, if you want to turn to Luke, um, if you don't know where that is, uh, Luke chapter 15, if you know where Luke is, the Bible's in two bits, Old Testament and New Testament, and Luke's in the second bit, the New Testament. It's the third book, so it's Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. And it, we're looking at chapter 15, starting at verse 1. Now, okay, so, uh, yeah, 15, Luke 15, verse 1. Now, all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. This is Jesus. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So the scene is set. Jesus has drawn a crowd. And there's two, two kinds of people in this crowd. There's sinners, the kind of dirty, rotten scoundrels, you know, those people that we, we, we would kind of, um, you know, might look down on in our society. People like um, drug dealers, loan sharks, prostitutes, Celine Dion fans, those kind of <laughs> people. And then the other side is religious people, people who, um, well, these days just still just be religious people, basically. So that's who Jesus is talking to. And Jesus then tells three stories. We're going to look at the third one, so we're going to skip down to verse 11. Um, Yeah. And he said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. So that's the money that... Basically saying, Dad, give me the money that I'll get when you die. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, feed the pigs. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf. Kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now, his older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back, safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I've been serving you, and I've never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who's devoured your wealth with prostitutes, 
You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you've always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live, and was lost and has been found. I love this story. It's pretty much my favourite story in the whole Bible. And it's just, it's, it's just so ridiculous, isn't it? That, that one son just completely blows it, and yet he ends up, they have a party for him, and then the other son, who's kind of kept all God's commands, doesn't get, doesn't get to the party. It's, it's a crazy story. It's quite outrageous, I think. And um, we kind of have to look a little bit, okay, what's the context, and what, what's Jesus saying here? And we know that at the start, Luke says that he had a, a crowd of people listening, and in that crowd, there's two kinds of people. You're sinners, you're dirty, dirty rotten scoundrels, and you're, you're religious folk. And... Um, and Jesus, it's not one of his m- most subtle times, this. He, he basically tells the story and says, and there was this one son who completely messed up his life, and he's, you know, kind of like, those guys. And then, uh, you know, and then there was, there was this pious, self-righteous son. And at this point, it doesn't say it in the text, but I think Jesus actually went, <coughs> the Pharisees, under his breath, because it's so obvious who he's talking about, and that he's talking to this crowd, and that... Um, saying, yeah, you guys are like the younger son, and you guys are like the older son. And uh, Jesus' point was that we've all sinned, we're all sinners, but the point is how we respond to God's grace. And uh, that's my challenge for us today, that's my question for you today, is how do you respond to God's grace? You might kind of think, what do you mean I'm a sinner, I'm a, I'm a good person, but... Um, Bible's clear that we're all sinners, you know, we all grow up and we immediately, instinctively choose the wrong path, don't we? I don't have to be taught that. I didn't have to be taught to um, be mean to my brother. And he didn't have to be taught to be mean. We were just like that when we were little and whenever I was mean to my brother, he used to go off and he would go off and tell my mum. It's really annoying. And uh, when he was mean to me, I didn't go off and tell my mum. I, I, I had a better plan. What I instead would do, I used to instead... I would go to the end of my garden, to the grave of Betty the hamster. Betty was a loyal friend of mine, 18, 18 happy months we had together. When I was upset by my brother, I would go and I would weep at the grave of Betty the hamster and seek solace, knowing full well that sooner or later my mum would notice me weeping at the grave of Betty and would come and ask me what I was upset about. And at this point, I would explain how my brother had upset me so much and what he'd done. And uh, knowing full well that any punishment that my brother would have got is now being multiplied many times by this whole process. And you might say, but Dave, I've never, I've never blown half my family's fortune on booze and prostitutes. And you might say, but Dave, I've never, ever wept at the grave of a hamster to get my brother in trouble. Now, that's true, but... We have all sinned. We all have failed to live up. We all believe in a standard, don't we? We believe in a, a way that people ought to behave. And yet, each one of us fails to live up to that standard. I don't know about you, but just this week, here's some things that I've kind of looked on, other people doing, and kind of tutted. You know, someone going through a red light on their bike, or uh, someone kind of perhaps speaking badly of someone else at work, or um, you know, someone on the tube getting all angry because they're all getting jostled. We all know what that's like. And I've kind of looked on those people and sort of thought, mm, yeah. and yet I've done those very same things myself. So this standard that we all believe in, 
and uh, we all think others should adhere to. We don't even meet ourselves, do we? And um, the Bible's very clear that God's given us a conscience and he's told it, given us the, the right way. We know what is the right way to live and yet each of us um, fails to live that way. And um, the Bible also says that when we do stuff like that, when we choose the wrong thing, when we choose to um, do unloving things, that's sin and that's what stands between us and God. And like, like that... Um, relationship with the dad, our relationship with our dad in heaven is affected by that and it gets broken. And um, it also says that God cannot just kind of pass it by. It says that God is holy and uh, it explains holiness. It's a bit like looking at a very, it's like a light so bright you can't even look at it or a heat so intense you can't even get close to it. And that's what God's holiness is like. And uh, we, as simple people, can't get close to God. And it's not that God can just kind of, okay, I'll, I'll let you off, I'll switch off my holiness for a second and let you in. But it, that holiness actually comes out of God's very character. That is who he is. And so it's not something that... Um, so we have a problem, don't we? Because we choose to do wrong, and yet we can't, uh, we can't come into God's presence. And, uh, but we have a great hope, and the hope is the cross. And what Jesus did on the cross was... He, he came down to earth and he lived this perfect life. And he was the one person that you could say, yeah, that man is completely holy. And he is the one person that could stand before God completely blameless. And what he did was on the cross, he took our place and all the sins of the world, all the sins that we've committed were put on Jesus. And he substituted himself for us so that we, through Jesus, can come into God's presence and come into his holiness. And so what is required of us for that? Well, we just simply have to receive God's grace. And um, it is a free gift, but it's something that we have to actually receive. And like those two sons, it's that picture of those two sons, the one son who looked at himself and said, yeah, I'm a complete man, I've completely screwed up, and just threw himself on his dad's mercy. And that's what we do to receive grace. So I'll ask you my, my, my question again. How do you come to God? How do you respond to God's grace? For example, when you come to church, you know, do you come to church because it's something you feel you ought to do? Or do you come to church because you think, yeah, I want to I be with my dad. I want to receive God's grace. Do you kind of, when you come to pray, do you think about, do you sort of sit there and start examining yourself and kind of saying, looking at what you've done in the last week and, and on, a, on the basis of that, decide how quickly you can come into God's presence. That's not, the, that's not the model that's given here. The model is that the dad just rushes, doesn't he? When his son's repenting, he rushes to his son and grabs him and kisses him and accepts him immediately. And uh, Jen was saying she was sort of struggling with this. How do I get grace? And so in her prayer time, she used to just, she used to decides, okay, I'm just going to sit here and sit with God and just say, you love me, don't you? And that was her way of praying. I think that's a really helpful way. We just, let's not, when we come into God's presence, try and uh, look at ourselves and, uh, and try and measure, okay, how, how much can I come into God's presence? But just sit there and go, you love me, don't you? And that's it. And that's grace. Um, what we're going to do in a little while, we're going to take bread and wine in, the, in five or ten minutes. And um, what this is, is it's a chance for us to... Uh, to just receive God's grace afresh and to just come before him and, um, and just say, 
yeah, just look at ourselves and say, yeah, I'm like that younger son. I know I've messed up. But once again, I just want to come to you, Lord, and just accept what you've done and, and come home like a dad. And uh, you may never have done that before. You may not have um, had that, got that relationship with your dad in heaven. And this is just a chance for you to um, come up and, and take bread and wine. What we do, it's just a symbolic thing. It's just something we do to remember what Jesus did on the cross, that he, uh, he said, this bread is like my body that I broke for you, and this wine, Ribena in this case, is like the blood that I shed for you. And so all you're doing is, is just receiving God's grace again. So if you've never done that, this will be your chance to, um, to receive God's grace for the first time and begin that relationship with your dad. And we just ask you to, uh, to just tell someone about that, that you've done that either someone that you came with or someone that you've seen at the front this morning. And for the rest of us, whether you're kind of, you've been away from God for a long time, or whether that's weeks or months or years, or whether you're just kind of going along with God, but you just need to remember grace. This is just a chance for us to just come back to God again and just remember grace and just say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done. And uh, before we do that, though, I want to, I want to, bring a, a little challenge and, a, and an encouragement. This was something that uh, came out of the prayer meeting last week and um, someone uh, brought a scripture from Ephesians 2 and I just want to encourage us as a church um, in this. It talks about um, a community of grace. Um, Foxy actually brought this verse earlier. You can have a look if you like, if you've got your Bible still open, just flick forward a few books to Ephesians. So you go John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. And um, we're going to look, yeah, chapter 2, uh, verses 8 to 10. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So it says that grace is a gift. It's emphasizing that, and yet it also talks about that God's given us works to do. And um, I'm going to sort of share my story a little bit of how I got this, because it's the point is that when we get grace, we can do works out of God's grace, and it, bec- and it comes very naturally. Um, when I was younger, I, I, went, I used to go along to church when I was young, and uh, I never really got God's grace. And um, right up into my sort of early teens, I would, I would uh, lie awake sometimes, and I'd be really wracked with guilt about the fact that I never told people that I was a Christian. And uh, I, didn't, I wouldn't tell people about Jesus. And I was incredibly scared of what was going to happen to me when I died. Because I thought, you know, I, I don't tell people I'm a Christian, so I don't know if I'm going to be accepted by God when I die. And I don't know if I'm going to go and be in his presence or if I'm going to be cast out of his presence. That's what the Bible says hell is like. Well, that's what hell is. And, um, but at the same time, I was terrified of telling people that I was Christian at school. And... Um, and then I heard a, a talk about grace when I was 16, and um, it was like lights coming on in, in my head, and I suddenly got it, and I realized that it doesn't matter what I do, it doesn't matter whether I tell people about Jesus or not, and I tell them I'm a Christian or not, I'm accepted, and I've got God's grace, and that I can, um, 
and I'm accepted by God, and when I die, I'll go to heaven. And what did I do? What was my response to that? I just started telling people about Jesus. I just couldn't help it. It just naturally happened that I just started telling people that I was a Christian. And uh, that's what grace is like. When we get it, we, it, it just can't help but come out of our lives and be, and um, we just can't help but share it. And um, that is my, that's really my encouragement for us today, that we would be a, a community of grace. I think if you ask people what they think of Christians, most people out on the street, their picture of Christians is often uh, a self-righteous people, like the, like the, the older son, you know, often people who you know, look down and think they're better than others. They might have a picture of them in their heads of, you know, angry protesters shouting at homosexuals or shouting at people that have an abortion. And, and yet we're the one group of people that have received grace and should share God's grace. And when I first came into Rev Church, you know, I immediately felt accepted and loved. And I hope that's been your experience. But that's what we need to be as a people of grace. We need to be people that, when people come, come into our presence, they feel accepted and loved. I want to end with a, another story um, just to encourage us in that. And then we'll take bread and wine. It's a story by um, a chap called Tony Campolo, who is an um, American preacher, preaches a lot on social action, on reaching out to the, the poor and the marginalized. And he, he, he tells a story of how he, was, um, he went to do a conference in Hawaii, and it was, uh, you know, time differences alike. And so he went to bed, but he, he went to sleep for a bit and then woke up at like 2, 2.30 in the morning. Couldn't sleep, so he's like, and I'll just get up and uh, go and get some breakfast. So he went out of his hotel into um, Honolulu and nowhere was open because obviously it's three in the morning. But the only place he found open was this real grotty-looking dive, a real sort of, sort of greasy spoon. And he went in and got himself a coffee and donut. And he, he sits down. It's totally empty and he's eat, eating his coffee and donut. And um, suddenly in bursts eight or nine prostitutes and... Uh, they finish their night's work and they're talking about um, what, what they've been up to and their language is really coarse and they're, they're all sat around this preacher and he's sitting there thinking, ooh, and he's eating his donut, just thinking, oh, I was going to drink up and get out of here. And, uh, and uh, he, he overhears the one next to him and she tells her friend, she says to her friend, oh, it's my birthday tomorrow. And uh, her friend's like, what do you want me to do about it? Do you want me to throw a party for you and sing you happy birthday? And her friend's like, no, no, I'll just... I don't have to be mean. I was just saying it's my birthday tomorrow. You know, I never had a party. I wasn't asking for one. And um, and uh, you know, so he sort of he pricks up his ears at this. And um, anyway, shortly afterwards, they go out, and he he goes to the guy at the counter, and he says, um, "Those girls, are they coming every night?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, they come every night." He says, the girl that sat next to me, does she come in every night? He's like, "Yeah, that's Agnes." And uh, he's like, "It's her birthday tomorrow. What do you say we throw a party for her?" And uh, a kind of smile creeps on his face, like, yeah, it's a great idea. So, um, so, he, um, so he arranges that, and, uh, and so next day, t- well, yeah, two in the morning, the next day he comes, and Tony's got loads of decorations, he's, he's pl- he plasters them all over the place, and this guy that runs the cafe, he's, he's baked a cake, and he's told all of Agnes's friends that there's going to be a party. And uh, so at three in the morning, Agnes and her mates walk in, Everyone says, happy birthday, Agnes. And, uh, and she's just totally stunned, you know, just totally gobsmacked, can't even move. And, uh, 
And then this guy comes in, the guy who owns the place, he comes in with this birthday cake with the candles lit and everyone sings happy birthday. And she just completely loses it, just, just starts sobbing. And um, the guy's a little bit awkward. He's never, never seen a prostitute cry before. <laughs> He's like, oh, just blow out the candles, let's cut the cake. And uh, so she sort of gets herself together, blows out the candles. But then she goes, actually, can we not cut the cake yet? Um, I'd really just like to... Really, would just like to keep it, and uh, the guy's like, "Okay, you know, do what you like, Agnes. You know, it's your birthday." So she's like, "I'm just going to take this cake, and I just want to, I'm just going to take it home. I just live down the street, and, and then I'll come back and, and, and join the party." So he's like, "Okay." So the room's silent as she kind of picks up this cake, just looking at it like it's you know the holy grail, and uh, and walks out the shop, and and uh, yeah, it's completely silent. So Tony he sort of stands on a chair and says, "You know, what do you say, let's?" Let's pray for Agnes. So, um, 3.30 in the morning, in a greasy spoon in Honolulu, Tony leads um, this room full of prostitutes uh, in a prayer for, for their friend Agnes. And he prays for her, uh, her blessing and, uh, and for her security and for salvation. And, um, and after he's finished praying, he gets off the chair and uh, the guy kind of says to him a little bit roughly, the guy that runs the place, he's like, hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What sort of church do you go to anyway? And, uh, and in that moment, Tony just had the perfect answer. He said, um, he said well, I belong to a church that, that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at three in the morning. And, uh, and the guy kind of laughs him off. He's like, you know, there ain't no church like that. If there was, I'd go. Yeah, I'd go to a church like that. And, um, and that's, my, that's my kind of... I don't know about you, but... Who amongst you wants to be part of a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at three in the morning? That's my, I would love that. You know, I want, it, I want us to be like that. I want us to be that kind of extraordinary people that just throw out God's grace and just emanate God's grace and his love and acceptance. And um, so I want to yeah, leave you with that kind of, that encouragement. But how do we do that? How do we actually practically do that? Well, the answer is that we first receive grace for ourselves. Because like me, you know, when I first, you know, I wanted to do these things, but I couldn't. And when I got God's grace, it just happened. It just, it just came naturally out of God's grace because he empowers us by his grace. So what we're going to do is, um, Andy's going to come up. Where is Andy? Well, there you are. There you are. Um, yeah, and if you want to come up, and uh, we're going to take bread and wine together. And like I said, this is our chance just for us to receive grace, whether you've You've never had that relationship with your dad before, your dad in heaven. This is like coming home. It's your chance to have that for the first time and just say, yeah, I'll receive what you've got for me.